Welcome. You're connected to Transmissions from the Campfire. I am the Operator. Our narratives of the odd, the humorous, and the downright horrifying bring a measure of warmth, if only for a moment. A much-needed relief from the cold, cruel world that surrounds us all. Each story is set in and around Colorado's Roaring Fork Valley and is written by Patrick Quinn Kitson, author of novels Talented and Pyre, and short story compilations Night and Day. Each transmission is produced, engineered, and narrated by myself, Daniel Kelly. Tonight, we bring you a tale of wasted glory. Humanity shares many traits with other members of the animal kingdom. The instinct to feed, to defend ourselves, to wildly reproduce. But one trait is unique to humans. Heroism is a mantle foisted upon many, and we often judge the measure of a man by the way he responds when the time comes to save the day, and maybe even humanity itself. But what happens when that man is extremely lazy and procrastination wins out? Please, sit back, savor your drink of choice, and enjoy. This is Inky. I don't have a lot of time to explain how I got here, so I'm typing as fast as I can. If I don't keep going, and really even if I do, he'll be here soon enough. He won't stop. It's not really a he or a she, but rather more of an it. A thing, an intangible, faceless, aberrant horror of unknown origin and form that will soon pass through the pages of this tale and manifest into corporeal form before me, unless I keep writing. Gotta keep those words flowing. Not unlike a mouse who's fallen into a backyard pool with high sides. It's just a matter of time before I can't keep this up anymore. And as with the rodent treading water, eventually I'll tire or need sleep. As soon as I don't keep its nasty little name running across these pages, as soon as I pass out from exhaustion, as soon as my muscles ache and my fingers go limp on the typewriter and the candle next to me on the desk goes dark, it's going to rise up from the black darkness of the ink ribbon where it's currently hiding to swallow me to devour me and my unwillingness to help it enslave the rest of you. I don't know what happens then, but I suspect that any prospect of a heaven or hell will be extinguished in an excruciating instant of fear and pain as I am consumed. I don't want to die. My name is Rowan Murray. I'm 28 years old and I don't want to die. So I'm writing and I'm writing, and now I don't know what else to write, so I'm writing what could be the last thing I write, like a hamster on a wheel. I'm typing to tell anyone who reads this that I tried my goddamnedest to prevent his ascension, to keep us all safe. I'm trying to keep Inky at bay, but I can feel him scratching at the back gate of my mind, threatening to blow the house down with a gale-force wind if he should be allowed to crawl out of the ink ribbon. The ribbon is just a gateway, you see. Inky had other ways he could have crossed over. He told me this, in my mind of course. I've never met Inky. The whole point of this is not to meet Inky. I never want to meet Inky. Inky would only destroy us. All you have to do to keep Inky at bay is let little Inky come out to play. That little rhyme has been playing on a loop in my mind for almost a year, since I took a vacation to South America, specifically to Guatemala. My family, my boyfriend and I, went on a tour of some old Mayan temples. Great food, great tours. On day six, we were convinced by some local yahoo to pay a little extra for access to a site that was normally off limits to the general public. Using LiDAR technology, that's light detection and ranging, the area had only been recently rediscovered by the Guatemalan government six months prior to our arrival. A scant handful of people knew about it, and even fewer had been there. This local yokel was one. 
My boyfriend, daring and foolish in equal measure, said we needed to live a little. He even made some snide comment about me not being a soft-ass homeschooled baby boy. I didn't want to have to hear about it the whole way home, so I agreed to go. Once we got there, by way of a ride on a very short bus that said Guado Guado Tours on the side, the temple was actually quite small, only like two stories tall, completely covered in foliage and pyramid-like in proportions. We walked through a narrow passage and ended up in the only room at the temple center. Standing in that damp, lamp-lit grotto with the still-as-yet undeciphered etchings of unknown origin filling the walls that reached up nearly 50 feet on all sides, I heard a thick, muddy sound like sludge dropping to a wooden floor. All you have to do to keep Inky at bay is let little Inky come out to play. Ever since that moment, it's been like a skipping record coming back around to the same phrase again and again. At first, I couldn't really hear Inky and just felt like writing this morbid, go-nowhere short story about a shadow-like creature who hid in the back corners of alleyways and haunted certain buildings. But as I wrote, something kept nudging me this way and that. The story started to reach further back than I had planned, and I wanted to stop writing it. And I did, for a while at least. But then the only way to keep the wicked whisper of Inky from tugging at my nerves was to make some headway on this odd little tale. It didn't stop, though. I would write, and it wouldn't ever seem to come anywhere near an endpoint. It was a meandering, largely meaningless dictation of the ancient history of a thing that did little but wait to eat. I would write when the mood struck me. I think I could have eventually trapped him in the paragraphs. I could have pushed myself harder. I should have pushed myself harder. But sometimes I like to re-binge one of the Star Trek series. Sometimes I like to sleep in. Yet Inky still comes for me in my waking hours and the regularly horror-filled nightmares that plague the dreams of the last few months. I call him Inky only because in my close-eyed visions, that's the best word I can think of to describe the horror I see. Two years of college with an emphasis on creative writing and that's all I can think of when I picture his obtuse, formless black void. Inky. It's possible that the name came from the rhyme, or maybe I... Uh, it's sort of unclear sometimes. Muddled. My friend Patrick, he's a writer, or so he says, despite only writing a collection of short stories, and he keeps saying that I need to get my butt to work and write more, that the only way out is through. He doesn't know about Inky, and I wouldn't tell him anyway. Superior son of a bitch that he is, he'd just use it as a justification to prattle on atop his delusional literary soapbox. Yet another reason to give me shit about my somewhat slower output. I've been a writer since middle school, and I know writer's block is real. I'm happy with a thousand words a week. He braggadociously does 2,000 a night, the cheeky prick. I know I can be as creative and productive as the next person, but it isn't a switch to be flipped. Sometimes it's just not there. You can't force it. If it was a faucet I could just go turn on, I'd let that shit run all day. Like I can snap my fingers and that will do the trick. It won't. It doesn't. What he fails to realize is that it isn't that easy. It's never that easy. Harlan Ellison said writing was the hardest thing to do in the whole world, and he's right. Even with Inky constantly baiting me, it wasn't easy. If it were, everyone would be able to do it. Game of Thrones would be completed by now, and George R.R. R. Martin could move on to something else finally, if it were all so simple. He's famous, and he writes slowly and carefully, just like me. He knows the struggle is real. My friend Patrick, the pandering, he says that millennials use that particular phrase, the struggle is real as a crutch and a cop-out to explain away a diminished generational work ethic and broad overriding cultural apathy. But I submit that the struggle is in fact very real, and that he can well and truly kiss my ass. He's a Gen Xer, and he thinks that his shit don't stink. He acts like he, and by proxy Gen X folks, 
take more responsibility for their bullshit than we do, and by implication, than I do. It's a passive-aggressive way to try and make me a lesser, I suspect. As for his ideas about my generation, generally, I agree. But I don't think that boomers or Gen Xers or my generation do anything better than one another. They didn't fix climate change, did they? We all suck in equal measure as far as I can see. Except perhaps, not for sure, but perhaps my generation is more accepting and less racist or bigoted than the ones that came before. Just saying. If anything, we probably suck marginally less than they do. They don't realize words are weapons, or at least can be weapons. We know better. Look no further than this inky problem for evidence that I'm right. The words I write now are weapons that keep Inky away. To keep his ravenous appetite away from the sheep he wants to wolf upon. The sheep being you. The sheep being me. So I'm rambling about anything I can think of. Can you tell? Also, as for why I don't write too often, if we're being candid here, I have a lot on my plate these days. A lot. My parents have me working fairly regularly, trying to catch up with all the clients' tax returns they've submitted for the 2022 tax season. I work for them about 20 hours a week as a CPA, but I feel like it's just as hard as people who work 40-hour weeks, maybe more so. I know that sounds whatever, but you don't know. There's a lot of pressure to not fuck up because it's people's livelihoods we're dealing with. And it's my parents' business which compounds the stress. After the pitter-patter of homeschooling and local college, it seemed reliable and prudent to be with a smaller firm, even if it was owned and operated by my parents. They don't know about Inky. Neither does my boyfriend. He'd think I'm nuts. My writer buddy is pretty arrogant about the whole thing if you ask me. He thinks that just because he doesn't get writer's block, yet I bet, that just because he can wave a mental magic wand and create without the same struggle I endure, somehow that means I'm less of a writer than he is. Like true art is an agony and sacrifice. Real writing is hard fought and takes years to agonize over. It's quality over quantity, any fool knows that. David Foster Wallace took four years to write his magnum opus, Infinite Jest, and it was mostly done in his head. He knew the struggle. He fucking knew. I wish Patrick had Inky rattling around that empty skull of his, talking to him and goading him into writing some crazy incoherent BS like I was being forced to do. It isn't fair. It's just not, and things should be. All you have to do to keep Inky at bay is let little Inky come out to play. Sure, it seems simple in theory, but I just can't write all the damn time. I have to work 15 to 20 hours a week, damn it. I do over-the-phone LARPing with my boyfriend at least once a week, and I definitely have to allow time for my baking. I can't skip baking. See, I bake. Racks of sesame rolls, trays of lavender-infused muffins, bowls of lemon tarts, stacks of glazed biscotti, dishes of delicious danishes, and loaves upon loaves of any bread you can imagine. Sweet, buttery Armenian gata bread in the spring, borsok, the sweet fried pastry balls native to Kyrgyzstan in the fall, how about Icelandic kvarbrut? Forget about it. Thick and chewy hot spring bread, just like rye, you seriously have no idea. Absolutely delish. And yeah, I'm running out the clock here, so fucking sue me. Gotta push Inky back. Not that I can forever. I do so enjoy baking, and nearly every damn night I look up a new recipe or type of bread and I bake something. Damn near every night. I give them away as gifts to my family and college friends, and to my roommate who recently moved into my spare room to give me more financial flexibility and because her girlfriend just dumped her for a non-binary performance artist named Flux. Everyone loves my baked goods. It feels good to feed other people. Just not the way Inky wants me to. He wants me to feed people all right. To him. Or it. They. She. Whatever Inky might identify as. Not sure, haven't asked, and Inky probably isn't telling anyway. 
Among the ideas and motions he would send my way was the fact that he sought to make me his herald, his prophet, and that my words would eventually become the very mechanism through which he would subjugate and dominate his food before he was to feast upon it. Whatever the hell that shit meant. He says stuff about the galaxy sometimes, weird shit about cycles of star decay, something like that. Inky says so much I find it hard to keep track of it all. I tried to get down as much as I could, but my hands can only type so fast and there are only so many hours in the day. Plus, I bake. Baking takes time. Not entirely sure, but I suspect he, it, ate my cat. I haven't seen the fuzzy little shit in days now, which isn't like him. He has a tiny cat door, so he may be prowling, but four days is a long time. If Inky did hurt Cupcake, he ain't saying. Inky ain't saying much about anything. Whenever I ask Inky about it, or really anything else for that matter, he stays silent in my brain. But when I think about his little project or what his goals are, he won't stop filling my head with his musings and tidings and all the weird little esoteric quips he calls his prophecies. They don't amount to much, really. Lots of hollow threats to eat people and blot out the sun or some such crap. What does it matter now, anyway? My goose is likely cooked. I was trying to save the world, you see, to deliver us all from the terror and hunger of Inky and his unquenchable desire to consume. But I just had so much going on. Stalling, stalling, on the wheel, just keep riding, your life depends on it. My head is tilting and swaying, intermittently nodding off and I can't hold out for much longer. My fingers are logs that want to drop to the ground. My hands are anchors grasping towards the sea floor. I'm going to lose my will at any moment, and then from the depths shall he rise. He told me that my stubborn mortal connection to evolutionary fallacies like compassion held me back from being immaculate. Inky is often lost in translation, but I get that he's disappointed that I won't write his gospels. He's frustrated and he chastises me for my silly attachment to others. Still, I can sense the approaching system failure. I won't forestall the inevitable, and I question my decision. Ah, <sighs> growing sleepy. Sitting here at the dust-scented and rusted old typewriter in my parents' attic, what will become of them? Will Inky leave them alone once he has me? I hope so, but I'm almost too tired to focus on it. My hand's slow, and it's not ten seconds of them resting on the circular metal keys that I hear it behind me. I kick my heel out and spin on the swivel chair to face my tormentor. It's black and dripping and viscous and pops thick bubbles that sound like the crackles of a tar pit spitting up gas from low, low, low in its depths. There are no eyes and no mouth. It doesn't need a mouth, or a head, or any other appendages. It's going to roll over me and absorb me. Its swollen, inky husk is made up of the words I never put to the page. Its skeleton is the literary glory I never sought. I could have trapped it, maybe indefinitely. But as it stands, I'm fucking done for. Time to roll credits. All I needed to do was loose this thing upon the rest of humanity and I wouldn't be going out like this. And what has humanity done but disappoint me anyway? I should have dropped a dime on y'all. All you have to do to keep Inky at bay is let little Inky come out to play. Too true. Now he had come and was ready to play because I had not done enough to keep him at bay. Cables of slick black grime pulse outward from its horrible central mass and extend outward, engulfing the full field of my vision. It takes over the small room and I realize I'm all but inside its mouth. A mouth that has expanded to fill the room. Now it's starting to wrap me up. I'm being digested. 
The oily ooze fills my nose and my mouth and my eyes. It pushes through my eyes and starts to fill my skull up, shooting piercing microfibers throughout my cerebrum, engulfing my consciousness as it takes my frontal lobe under its control. Inky's control. I sense that Inky is now in full control. Forever. But where am I? I'm still here, and yet I'm not. I'm watching. I can see through the reddish-hued non-eyes that are now filling the sockets of my erstwhile eyes. I don't see what my body now looks like, not that I want to anyway, but I'm sure it isn't what it once was. I sense that it exists now as an amalgam, a slithering, squirming, spongy, and ever-shifting approximation of flesh, something out of time, like an abstraction, and now able to fulfill the dark prophecy as it had wanted me to do from the very beginning. But now, in my failure to loose it upon the masses and foretell the world of the coming darkness, I have relegated myself to the waking enslavement of watching helplessly from behind the theater screen of my mind, as my body is used to spread the evil outward anyway. My refusal was for nothing. I played myself. You try to save the world, and this is what you get. I hope it eats Patrick first. I should have just written the damn books Inky wanted me to write. The Gospels, as he called them. And then I could have been briefly rich and famous before Inky. Before Inky. Inky takes control. Inky is control. There is no Rowan. He is gone, but he watches now from afar. You will also see me as he now sees me. You will not see me coming, but I am coming, and then your eyes too will see me. I will eat you, and you, and you, and the other life on this hard stone. I have tired of this world. It must be eaten whole, then used to fuel my travel away from it. Consider this the prophecy of your doomed stone world. I am coming. You cannot stop me. You will be with me in the darkness forever. All the other worlds are with me now. All the other stones. I ate them just as I'll eat you. We will travel with the stars and burn forever within the void of eternity. We are and shall be one. Our primitive self's desire for instant gratification often conflicts with another human construct, our sense of responsibility. We all have some unfinished task waiting out there, whether it's a room that needs to be repainted, that dreadful phone call to an estranged parent, or that damning piece of evidence that really should be dealt with before someone notices. But by putting it off today, we may unknowingly rob ourselves of the chance to put it off again tomorrow. Inky is an original work of fiction written by Patrick Quinn Kitson. More of Patrick's work is available in the short story collections Night and Day and the forthcoming novels Talented and Pyre. If you enjoyed our show, you can find more episodes of Transmissions from the Campfire on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory. Transmissions from the Campfire is produced, written, and engineered by Daniel Kelly and is a copyrighted work that may not be reproduced or re-uploaded in part or in full without express written permission. Now, zip your jacket and cinch your collar tight as the light of the fire dies down and our momentary warmth gives way to the return of the cold bitterness of the outside world. Stay safe, traveler, until we meet again around the campfire.